What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guya Now Show. I'm your host, Bob McIntosh, and today I'm joined by my friend, Cole Hatter. Uh, Cole and I have known each other for a number of years. I've uh, been a member of his mastermind for a number of years um, and uh, really got to know him deeper at his event, Thrive, which we will definitely talk about later because it's a phenomenal event you're going to want to attend if you haven't already. Um, but Cole is here not just because of that, but also because I believe he has a truly uh, inspirational story. If you've ever been to an event with him, he shares that story. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it or anything like that because it's it's just super powerful and motivating. Um, but I also know that he's someone that has gotten out of his own way, has, has battled a number of random things, uh, bad people, um, ridiculous real estate deals, uh, you, you name it. He's probably had it thrown at him, uh, as many of us will face in our journeys as entrepreneurs. And so I felt like he'd be a fantastic addition to this show to help you guys in your own journey of getting out of your way. So Cole, thanks for being here, man. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, bro. Excited to hang with you. I was just thinking back as you were going through how long we've known each other. I was like, dude, it's, it's been a minute. I've known you <laughs> since before you could grow a beard practically. Yeah, probably actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's Yeah, dude. That's actually funny. I don't know. Did I, I probably didn't have a beard the first time we ever met. The, uh, the, the X was not all about the beard. So I had to change, change it up afterwards. Yeah, it was 2015. So I don't remember. But uh, again, excited to be here, bro. Let's let's crush this thing. 100%. So um, obviously, just for anyone who doesn't know who you are, or hasn't met you before, tell a little bit about, you know, your background, what you do now, and you know, how you got to where you are. So I'm a husband, father, that's how I always started been, I'll say successfully married, because that's sadly the way that it works now in America, but successfully married for 11 years. Uh, and we have two precious little girls, an eight-year-old. Wow, that sounds crazy. Her birthday was three days ago. So I got used to saying that. I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, uh, two little girls. Let's not say seven. She'll come after you like, no, I'm eight now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even for like the last six months, if you said seven, she's like, no, seven and a half. It's like, oh, sorry, seven and a half. So quick to grow up. But uh, so anyway, husband, father, uh, I do business. I've, I've primarily been in real estate investing. That's been my longest journey. I started that business in 2005. And uh, here we are 15 years and a half later, uh, and I own a handful of other businesses. Uh, I always say I've probably started 30 businesses, 25 of them have failed, a dozen of them while failing cost me a lot of money. Uh, but the four or five that I've gotten right luckily have been successful enough to make it all worth it. And, um, and we can get into what those are and what those do later. Um, but uh, really what I am now is I was just telling my wife this, we just got home from a 10 day motorhome trip uh, for my little girl's birthday. We said, what do you want? And she could have said anything. Doesn't mean I would have said yes, but she could have said, let's go to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Let's go to New York. She could have said anything. And she's like, let's go camping in the motorhome. So we just took this journey. And, and as we're getting back, a couple of my followers that have just been following the stories on Instagram, it literally asked like, Cole, do you ever work? And I was like, what are these people <laughs> talking about? I've been working this whole time. And I thought about that. I was talking to my wife and we've actually stumbled across, I think right now, a season of life where although we work very hard and, you know, make money and pay our bills and do what we need to do, um, we've really created a, a really, a really healthy lifestyle, I think, to where we really are just parents who want to play and have businesses that support that. And so I think there's a long way to go for that work-life balance to be where I ideally want it. But I was just literally maybe four hours ago this morning having a conversation with Sonia, my wife, saying, hey, I feel like like our identity is we're just kind of like we, we play and we're parents. And then we have these companies that we focus on and we spend you know quite a bit of energy on. But 
they really just support the lifestyle instead of our lives living around our businesses, if that makes sense. And that's something I've I've advocated for from stage and I think I'm getting into. So that was a long-winded answer of, <laughs> I guess I'm just a dude that likes to play with my family and I have a couple of businesses that pay the bills. And that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I remember the conversation uh, that you had uh, after you got that, was it when you took that trip to um, Arizona? I think that was your first mm-hmm. RV trip. If I remember, and I remember you saying for you there was a mindset shift there. Of wait a second, I've been busting my ass for all this stuff. Maybe that's not really what 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 I'm after. So since you kind of brought it up, I think it's a great it's a great segue. Which is, you know, what what was that shift? Because obviously, I mean, knowing you for as long as I have, I, I would say that's not always been the case. At least not perceptibly, yeah. it's always been the case. Um, and so, what's shifted for you and why? Sure. And to be clear, I'm still grinding, right? But right, um, it, it's really interesting. So. Uh, okay. So backstory, um, I have, and I advocate that everybody gets what I have called absolute truths. Um, some people call them core values, but I I think it's, I think there's a little bit, they're a little bit different than a core value in the sense that they're a framework of, of a filter before you say yes or no to any income opportunity, whether it's a job offer, uh, a a collaboration effort, like you call me one day, Bob and say, cool, I've got a business we got to do together or just something you're creating from scratch on your own, it's a series of questions you ask yourself that if I pursue this income-generating opportunity, and it only relates to how you make your money, does it check all of these boxes? And I have 11 absolute truths. And so they they do follow the guidelines of what maybe core values would be, but mostly just geared towards how I make my money. And so I've talked about those, and, and I've tried my best to live by those. I think, to your point, what coronavirus and living through 2020 has done is it's accelerated my efforts of autonomy. My, when everyone asks Cole, give some examples of your absolute truths. The first is I always say I need autonomy. I believe right now you're still on your world tour and I think you're in upstate New York right now. And let's just say you stumbled across an opportunity up there, Bob, where you're like, Cole, I found this deal. You and I will each make $10 million a year. The thing is you've got to grab your kids, grab your wife, sell your house, move to upstate New York and live here for the next five years minimum. But if you do, you'll get paid $10 million a year. And you have to sit at this desk in this office and work these 50, 60 hours a week. I would turn you down, although that's great money and I would love to make $10 million a year with you. Not if it requires me to be in one place at one time for X amount. It would it would totally screw up the quality of life that I'm trying to protect and maintain. So one of my absolute truths is any income I make has to have complete autonomy. Even if it's a brick and mortar location, I'm in escrow right now. Actually, Bob, you caught my attorney right before you pressed record calling me and uh, he was talking about reviewing documents. I'm I'm in escrow and closing on 23 quick serve uh, uh, food and beverage type hospitality, I guess you'd call it. And uh, they're primarily located on the West Coast. Uh, However, I can own them from anywhere in the world because I have management teams in place. So even if I'm Mm -hmm. owning brick and mortar, actual physical businesses, like the 23 I'm in escrow on right now that we're going to close on in December, about three weeks from now, uh, I want to be able to manage them from anywhere in the world. So one is autonomy. Another one, just for some more contrast, is I'll never say yes to something that wouldn't make my daughters proud. Maybe six or seven years ago at this point, I was pitched by this startup of an app that uses geolocation where you can see the locations of other members in the app for the sole purpose of hooking up physically. Use your imagination, yes, that's what it's for. It's not Tinder or any of these dating apps. It is specifically for just meeting somebody in a new state or a new location or whatever, doing your thing and saying, see you later. And sadly, the way our society is, it probably would go off to make me a lot of money. Let's just say my investment turned into 100 million bucks 
how am I going to tell my two little girls where all of daddy's money came from? And literally, it would be an app that I would pray to God they would never even find. So another one of my 11 absolute truths is anything I do to make money, I have to be able to explain it in complete transparencies to my daughter and have them be daughters and have them be proud of it. So, so there's nine more similar to that. You know, one, uh, another one real quick is it will never make me compromise my faith. Not that I'm a Bible thumper and out there telling people they need to confess their sins or blah, blah, blah. But I'm transparent in the fact that I believe in God, et cetera. I will never take an income opportunity that would require me to uh, walk away from my faith or be silenced on it or whatever it is. So, so there's these things that if I check all the boxes, I'll never be unhappy. Many people right. see the paycheck, they get a job offer or an income opportunity, and it's more money than they're used to making. So then they immediately start weighing out checks and balances. Okay, I've got to give a lot of sacrifices, but are these sacrifices worth this income? And all of us, and you know this as well as anybody, Bob, we all have to sacrifice to make good money. But there are these 11 things that I just refuse to sacrifice. And if I never do, no matter how much work, effort, energy, time it takes to make my money, I'll ultimately be happy because I'm protecting my quality of life. So that was, again, trying to be thorough for your audience. I would encourage you all to sit down and say, forget money, forget everything, forget your past of what your experiences and industries are. And just if you could live any life, what would it look like? People ask me all the time, Cole, whose life would you switch with? And I say, I would never switch with anybody. I love my wife. I love my life. I love my kids. I wouldn't want someone else's life. However, careers, I could pick a few people that I would switch careers with, right? And if mm -hmm. you are sitting around after listening to this episode and thinking about, at least from public, what people share on social media or otherwise of what their business life looks like, if you can find something that resembles what you would want your life to look like, then you need to figure out what are the fundamental things that you can never compromise to be able to make that lifestyle a reality. And then as opportunity comes your way, or as you pursue finding opportunity, you just ask yourself, is it autonomous for me, instant, for instance? Can I do this from anywhere? Yes, perfect. It, are my daughters going to be proud? Yes, perfect. Um, will this compromise my faith? No, perfect. And you go down this checklist, boom, by the time you hit all 11, you say yes to the opportunity, you make great money or you don't, regardless, you're not unhappy. And so for me, that has been something I've been on the path of maintaining in my own life. And long answer to your question, like what coronavirus and really that that uh, two and a half week trip on that first motorhome back in spring when everything was shut down, uh, what it really taught me was to just accelerate the autonomy part of my businesses. And so fast forward till now, and it's been a, you know, I got some bumps and bruises this year like anybody, <laughs> but I, I have a lot more autonomy and the the income that I relied on and quite frankly am missing right now However, it wasn't in complete alignment with those 11 absolute truths. Unfortunately, went away, but fortunately now got rid of that, uh, in, I don't know what you'd call it, like incongruency. Like it, it, those things paid my bills, but they were inconsistent with the life I wanted to live. So although I missed the money, uh, the frustration and the being out of alignment is now gone, which has given me the opportunity to pursue new income that is more in alignment. And ultimately, I've told this to my wife a thousand times, we will look back on all of this coronavirus nonsense and say that we're glad that it happened because it finally forced us to take care of all of the items and things in our lives that we've been neglecting. Here's the last thing I'll say because I think you have a large real estate audience. For anyone who's ever sold your personal home while you're living in it, there's certain maintenance issues and broken things that you just tolerate because it's your home and it, you know who really cares. But then when you're getting ready to sell, now all of a sudden those things matter because the next person will care about those issues. And so yep. Sonia and I are considering right now for just 
kind of the political season that we're in and all the stuff that's happening in California where I'm a resident, we're just kind of considering what would it look like to move? We, we had no intention of moving, but the fact that my kids can't do anything and just all of the stuff that's going on right now in California with the shutdowns, would we leave? And so I started looking around my house and the stuff that I live with that doesn't bother me that I would have to fix for moving out, if we decide to list, I suddenly would find the motivation to hire whoever or personally fix this list of crap that I just live with because it doesn't bother me. And I think what coronavirus and this season of life can do for all of us, if we allow it, is to do the same thing in our own life. The stuff that irritates you, the business partner you don't like, the income opportunity that you're doing that you really hate, but you need the money, whatever it is, it can force us to finally address those things in our lives that make us unhappy. Because just like if I listed my house tomorrow, I would finally have to break or break, fix the broken roof tiles. I would have to finally fix the rust on my gate I have at the bottom of my driveway. We have an electric gate that closes after we drive through it. Like all those things that who really cares about a little rust? Well, you know, I don't want to take the time to paint it and I don't want to hire a painter or whatever. All of those little things, I'm going to be forced to deal with it if I list my house. And that's what happened for me. I was forced to deal with these business income opportunities that I hated, and now I'm correcting it. And so uh, I'm in this. I'm in the middle of it now, but uh, I imagine six months from now or something, I'll be more profitable and happier than I've ever been. Which is awesome. High five to that. Looking forward to hearing about it. Thanks, bro. Um, so let me ask you this. You, you, you mentioned that some of the things that you've been doing weren't necessarily fully in alignment with your 11... Um, absolute truths. So mm -hmm. did you compromise on your on your absolute truths to go after them? Or was yeah. it just like, like, and, and what and I guess the other part of that question is, you know, was it like, hey, I was going through and I just said that doesn't matter anymore? Or is it more like, hey, um, it, it'll it'll I can do that later? Or was it more of like, a, I didn't realize it was until it was too late? So uh, one specific example, and since again, we our circles cross, I'll have to be as vague as possible because people will be able to put two and two together but i um i have said yes to to deals where the business itself made sense the players involved did not one of the things is uh you know the bible not to get all religious talks about being equally yoked in marriage and in business there was a couple of people and, and again I, that doesn't mean that i'll exclusively do business with people who share my faith but share my value system is important right they don't they don't have to believe in the same God I believe in or pray to the same God or whatever they can they can have and and their own religious or be agnostic or atheist for all I care but the, but their character and their value system should be in alignment with mine and one of my absolute truths is that my business partners need to challenge me and make me a better version of myself just like my wife I don't want to marry a woman who's going to make me a worse person I want to marry a woman who holds me accountable holds me up and makes me a better man I want business partners to be the same and so there are a few things where the business itself checked the boxes, but the people involved, whether they be partners or collaborators or investors, whoever, some of the key players in these certain transactions were completely the exact opposite of who I should be doing business with. And I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just insulate myself. I'll just try not to have to deal with them. I'll just focus on the business, which is good and not so much the players involved. And that bit me in the ass big time. And so to your question, have I compromised on them? That's the first example that comes to my mind. I'm sure I can think of 30 others, but it's like, hey, you know what? The, the business is good. The, the people involved don't check all the boxes, but that's okay. The business is good. And sure enough, I regretted it and ended up walking away from several of the, the instances I'm describing. So uh, again, not that this was what you meant to be talking about on this episode, but to try to be helpful to your listeners. I, again, this is, this is a, a filter or a guidance to you making decisions 
not out of desperation that, hey, I need the cash, so I'm willing to do whatever. We as entrepreneurs especially have to be doing, have to be willing to do whatever it takes. But that right. doesn't mean compromising the quality of our life. I have to be willing to pull long hours if I want to succeed. I have to be willing to work on a weekend if I have to. I have to be willing to, you know, whatever it is. Like we have to make those sacrifices. But again, I'll use I'll use uh, relationships as an example in case you have any non-entrepreneur followers. In marriage, there are sacrifices. I can't be with other women. Uh, I can't, you know, and she can't be with other dudes or whatever, right? There, there are certain sacrifices, certain boundaries you don't ever cross. And then there are other sacrifices in your own personal life. For instance, uh, having a wife and kids, I can't just hop on a plane tonight, Bob, and meet you in New York and then hop on another plane and go to Vegas or uh, Paris for the weekend. If you're like, oh, let's go to Paris. If I was single, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. But as a married man, I'd be like, sorry, dude, I can't. I got commitments. I got Thanksgiving with my family. I got my wife, my kids. So so in a relationship and as a married man with children and a wife, obviously, uh, there are sacrifices I have to make, like freedom, for instance. I can't just go to Paris with you tomorrow. But there are certain sacrifices I'll never make, like, for instance, leaving my marriage for another person, et cetera. And so I hope that translates into business that you're going to have to make sacrifices in business. You'll never find an income opportunity that is just – one hour a day while you're tanning in your backyard, drinking beer, like, you know, listening to music or something like you're going to grind and make sacrifices. But there if are you know that business, though, call me, call Cole, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure. Exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll look at it for sure. But there, so there are certain sacrifices you have to make in relationships, but there are certain principles you'll never sacrifice. And, and that's the same here in business. You're going to make sacrifices, but there are these 11 things or however many you might only need 10 or eight or two. I don't know. Um, or you might need 45, depending on who you are. But there are these certain lines you never cross. You draw them in the, sign, in the sand and you don't cross them. And inevitably, what that allows you to do is remain happy as you're building your empire, as you're creating goals for yourself, monetary goals, financial goals, etc. And as you pursue those, if you never cross those core principles, you'll be happy. That's perfect. And, and I think, look, so do, do you have the same absolute truths for your business in addition to your life or, or are they a little bit different? No, at least uh, to be honest, I don't really have them in my life other than how I feel, right? Like if you're like, Hey, let's go do uh, drugs. I'd be like, no, thanks. It's not for me. Right. Not to judge those that do, but so, so in my life, I think uh, just the way I was raised again, my faith and you know, all of us, I would say in our late teens and early twenties decide who we're going to become as adults and, I don't need my parents helping me make my decisions anymore. I just know what I will or won't do. So to your point, uh, I don't really have absolute truths in my personal life as it relates to who I am as a human being. These 11 truths are specifically a checks and balances list of if someone says, hey, Cole, let's go make money together doing this. What I will have to do before I say yes is does it check all these boxes? Not 10 out of 11. It's got to check them all. Um, and then as far as how I govern myself as a human being, what type of husband, father, individual, how I contribute to society, those things I think are just more intuitive. It's just who I've decided to be. And I don't necessarily in my brain think, okay, is this in alignment with me as a human? I think I just know whether it feels right or wrong to say yes or no to, to whatever is in front of me. So again, without a specific yeah. example, I think that's the best answer I can give. But doesn't, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's time for me to consider doing that. Sit down and be like, you know, who am I going to be as a man and what things will I or not say yes to actually put it in writing versus just trusting my gut and intuition. Makes sense. I'm with you. 
And so do, uh, when, when you're considering these things, do you ever find yourself facing, you know, FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out? Because, because you've said, hey, it doesn't check one of these boxes. Um, you know, and, and if so, if you felt that like, like, oh, shit, man, like I'm missing out on this. Uh, how have you handled that? Or how have you, how have you reconciled that? Yeah, I think as you were answering that, I think it's just maturity. Um, I think as I get older, I have less FOMO. Um, there are opportunities I turned down that I freaking cried and bitched and complained about that I <laughs> turned down. I was like, ah, I would have had so much money. Um, but you know, Gary, Gary V to give Gary a shout out. Yeah, he he for years has talked a lot about self-awareness. And uh here's another example. I always teach with illustrations. Uh when Wolf of Wall Street first came out, which is funny now because Jordan Belford's a friend of ours, and here he was this character that Leonardo DiCaprio played. Uh, but when I watched him, not necessarily all the drugs and, and hookers and all the stuff in there, but when I watched him in his office on his little stage, use his microphone and fire up his sales floor, and then they would all pick up their phones and start dialing for dollars. And you would see, although it was corrupt, and again, just, just look at the net result and not how he got there. But I see this right. guy who had this awesome sales floor who made all this incredible money and had this incredible lifestyle. And I looked at my wife and I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to have a big office. I want to go rent out an entire floor in Irvine. I want to have like 150 sales guys. I want to sell stuff. I want to have like Lamborghini giveaways where the top producer that month, I just toss them the keys to a Lambo, like huge incentives for my sales floor. I want to like all these freaking fire breathing, a type personality, just gangster sales. I was like, yeah. And so I started building that because I had FOMO. I saw again, Leonardo DiCaprio's character depicting Jordan Belfort. And again, it was comedy. It was Hollywood, but I was I got wrapped up in it. I was like, that's what I want. I want to walk into the office and stare at a sales floor and fire them up. Because as you know, Bob, I've spent a lot of time on stage and I've done a lot of selling. So I was like me on my own stage in front of my own sales crew, firing them up to sell money that makes them and me money like hell yeah. So I started building that. And about 11 months into that, I realized I was just an adult babysitter. I hated going to my office uh, as I, as I, I think I got it to about 15 people. And I, I just didn't want to be there. And, and I'll never forget, I was sitting in my car. I just left the gym. I was going to my office because we had a shower there. And I was just getting ready to shower in my office and work all day. And I told my wife, I don't want to go there. And I did a U-turn and I came home. And I worked from home that day for the first time. I never went back to my office ever again. And then I eventually shut it down. But that day I did a U-turn. I went home and I told my wife, I don't want to be there anymore. I, I've created a monster that doesn't make me happy. I saw Leo. I had FOMO. I wanted it. But now as I'm becoming more self-aware, I want freedom. I don't want an office filled with people that needs me there at least four out of five work days a week. And I don't, I don't want to have to manage human beings. I've got to get back to where I was before, where I was more lean and had more autonomy. So to your point, Bob, yes, I have had FOMO. Um, and that was a long example of, of one of the instances where I had it, then started fixing the issue only to realize that I didn't want it anyway. And being self-aware enough to say, hey, let's let's pull out. Let's let's not do this anymore. And so then we got rid of that office, downsized and, and pivoted. But um, I could give you another thousand examples. But yes, I have had FOMO. And as I said, as I've gotten older, when I've had opportunities, here, here's one last example that's happening right now. I had an opportunity to participate mm -hmm. in a real estate fund. I chose not to. Uh, the people involved, I just, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be a part of being a huge promoter where all over my social media, my email list, and just publicly, I would talk about this fund and raise capital for this fund. Well, those individuals without me have gone on to be successful. They have raised lots of money. They've bought, bought, they've purchased 
uh, half dozen or so apartment buildings at this time that I would have owned a small piece of in addition to the capital contributions I brought to those syndications by being one of the principals, I would have been GP, which assuming you've got a bit of a real estate following here, they should know that that's a general partner. Um, and so I would have had all of the return on the money I put in plus extras for being a part of the principles that put the whole thing together. I said, no, thanks. And I have had on occasion, a little bit of FOMO watching those individuals now going off and buying the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. And when they close, if I'm being honest, I'm like, damn it. Like I would own a piece of that building right now. Ugh. But then I look at what would have been required of me to participate in that, um, in that opportunity. And I'm immediately comforted in saying, hey, it's fine. My life is better without it. I might have more money with it, but my life is better without it. I made the right call. And that's that's really it, uh, is is just if you have FOMO. You, you sort of stop, let yourself accept that, hey, this is a thing, I get it, but I'm going to stop, reflect upon the fact that I probably don't need it or, or anything of that nature. And then, you know, uh, tying back to your absolute truth, saying, hey, this is this is the right decision, even even though I have that FOMO. Yeah, and, and this kind of all ties together the way that you're asking these questions. So like if I can be helpful for the people that are listening to me just rant right now, you've got to figure out that quality of life you want. And it doesn't necessarily have a dollar amount on it. It's just always about freedom. But how much freedom do you want? And how many square feet do you want in your house? And how many cars do you want in your driveway and in your garage? It's like get clear on what that looks like from the monetary standpoint to the personal standpoint. Um, you know, I'm the only dance dad in my daughter's dance classes. I go every single one of their, their workout trainings or whatever, and there's like 15 moms there and me. And you know, <laughs> like, why, why are none of the other dads there? Well, because it happens at 11 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday, so guess where the dads are? They are at work, but not me. I get to be there watching my daughter's dance because I schedule my entire day around it, right? And so that being said, I know what I want my life to look like, and so anytime I have FOMO or again, I'm missing out on making money, I can sleep at night and be okay if I'm confident that that income opportunity would have been incongruent. So, so again, this is about protecting your happiness. Since you're an entrepreneur, I imagine much of your audience are entrepreneurs. And guys, if you look at the depression rate and the suicide rate within the entrepreneurial community, as opposed to just all of society, it's way up. Um, I don't remember the statistics. Especially off lately. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. Yes. Sadly, uh, I don't remember the statistics off the top of my head. But when you look at the general population of everybody and then you just segment entrepreneurs, that cluster of people, their divorce rates higher, their depression rates higher, their suicide rate is higher, their their reliance on um, drugs and alcohol and substance abuse is higher. And being an entrepreneur isn't easy. And a lot of it is because people are making sacrifices in the things that make them happy for making money. You would have less depression, less suicide less substance abuse, less divorce if entrepreneurs were happy. So we are all sold this bit of goods through social media, really, and influencers like our mutual friends, you know, Ed Milet, Annie Versella, Gary Vee, and all those guys, we see their lives and we're like, man, you're only happy if you're an entrepreneur. And those guys, as I understand it, are generally happy, right? I mean, we all have, we're all humans and have emotions and our ups and downs, but they're, they're, those, those are great examples of what building a business and being happy would look like. But you don't see the millions and millions and millions of entrepreneurs that are absolutely miserable and or even suicidal from the businesses they started. So for any of you listening to Bob and you're a fan of his show and you're a fan of him or even just stumbled across this, this is your first episode, you don't know who either of us are, but you're passionate about being in business, just keep in mind this is your only shot at life. And you don't get any credit for how much dollars were in the bank account the day you died. As a matter of fact, 
my accountant always jokes with me and says, Cole, we got to try to plan your life so that when you die, the last check written bounces, <laughs> that you've lived your entire life to the fullest. And when whoever's paying for your coffin writes that check, it bounces because you lived fully while you were alive, right? And so for those of us who want to be happy, stop having FOMO about making less money if you have these income opportunities that would also make you less happy. Pursue happiness above all, and the money will always come. Maybe a little bit slower, but it'll be more worth it. Everyone's in such a rush. Like if you're not a multimillionaire by tomorrow, you failed. Even if it takes you 10 years to get to your first million dollar year, but you were incredibly fulfilled and happy that entire process, awesome, go for it. And then by the way, you don't even have to be that rich to live a crazy life anymore. Like there's there's so many hacks out there. I remember I was watching this YouTube video of this guy that somehow figures out all these re rewards points on credit cards and like travels the whole world for basically free because mm -hmm. he's figured out how to get these reward points and cashbacks and all this stuff that he's doing. And so it's like, you can, you literally don't even need to be rich to see the world anymore. Focus on happiness. The money will come. And I think that's, I think that's true. I think we, we get caught up so many of us. And I know I've been in that, that path too of, Oh man, well, I don't want to miss out this opportunity is here in front of me, you know, pursue it despite the fact that it may not be the best for any number of reasons in your life, your happiness, uh, your sanity, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally. I love it. Uh, okay. So I, I want to just take, take a step back for a second to sort of, you know, your, your start on this journey. Um, and if you could maybe give a condensed version of, you know, your story from firefighter to car accident to where you are now, because I think it provides a lot of context for people um, and understanding. And for those of you who don't know Cole or haven't heard this story before, I want you to focus on where he was to where, where you now know he is now, because I think that transformation is huge and very inspiring for a lot of folks. So condensed version, uh, God put it on my heart to want to help people. So I graduated high school. Actually, that's not even true. In high school, I decided I wanted to be a firefighter. So I started taking evening and weekend classes at the local junior college to take care of all my firefighter um, prerequisites. So that when I graduated high school, I immediately went into my academy when all of my competition, my peers who were also graduating, when they were just starting their schooling, I had already completed it while in high school. So I ended up working with the department at 19 years old, I had my whole life figured out. At 21 years old, two years into my firefighter career, I got in a car accident off duty. That matters um, because uh, it, and it was a really bad accident. I ended up getting ejected out of the car and had to be airlifted to the hospital in a helicopter because I was not supposed to survive. Obviously, I did. But my recovery, it took me about a year to be able to walk again without needing you know, a, a wheelchair or canes or crutches or whatever. To be fully physical, physically 100%, it was about a year-long journey. And immediately after the accident, we didn't know what my future would look like. Uh, I had a traumatic brain injury as well. So like, how would my brain heal? Would I ever even be able to physically be a firefighter anymore? And again, as, as I shared, because it was off duty, the department gave me their condolences, but they didn't owe me anything. They, you know, that mm -hmm. if I had gotten injured on duty, I would have continued to get paid and had my spot. Uh, so long story short, in that year of recovery is when I actually found real estate investing. Uh, and that's a longer part of the story. We'll leave that out so it stays condensed. But uh, I became an entrepreneur. And by the time I was fully physically healed and could have gone back to the department, retaken the physical agility test, gotten cleared, and then tried to get picked up by a department again. By that point, I was making in certain real estate transactions more than my salary was for the entire year as, an, as a firefighter. And not that everything's about money. We've done a pretty good job of discussing that it's not always about money. <laughs> but I realized that why I wanted to be a firefighter was to help people. 
And that by becoming a multimillionaire, I could help even more people in a grander scale. I loved the idea of being a firefighter and having my city or my little part of the city that if they needed help, I would respond. But I realized in the avenues I was pursuing in entrepreneurship, I would have a, a be able to impact the world, global impact, as well as have millions of dollars at my disposal to do whatever I wanted to do with. So I decided that I loved firefighting, but I was going to just go all in on my entrepreneurial endeavors, again, starting off with exclusively real estate and then along the way adding others. And I don't have any regrets on that. I, I miss every now and then I'll see the firefight, you know, the fire trucks go by with lights and sirens and I'll be a little bit like, oh, kind of miss that. But ultimately, the the parts of firefighting that attracted me to that career, the time freedom because of the schedule, you know, I was one on, two off, one on, four off is my, when I say one on, it's a day. So I'd work for a day, have two days off, work for a day, have four days off on a rotating schedule like that. Uh, so you have a lot of time freedom. That's why I liked being a firefighter. You get to help people and you get a nice, comfortable retirement. Those were like the three things. Well, I was able to do all of that in my own career times a million times millions. And so I don't have any any regrets on, on that transition. And so to, to finally finish that answer, uh, put, put all my marbles in that basket, crushed it from 2005, 2008, got hammered in the recession, survived, thank God, 2011 had my financial recovery from getting hammered through the recession, realized having all my marbles and only the real estate basket is dangerous because that's what happened to me in 2008 when the real estate market crashed. I was screwed because I had no other income. So I started diversifying, adding new income streams, went on to make millions of dollars. And here we are, you know, 10 years later, I guess, after that transition, 15 years in my journey. But so, yeah, I start off as a firefighter and because of physical limitations, was forced to become an entrepreneur and decided this is the lane I want to stay in. And here I am 15 years later. So going back to that core part of wanting to help people, that's also what then inspired you to create the event Thrive, which is really where I think you're truly making a massive impact on the globe. So talk a little bit more about what that event is and how you know that starting of wanting to help people spawn into Thrive. So a part of the story that I left out was in 2010, I moved to Mexico to become a missionary. I was slowly hemorrhaging everything I had built from 2005 through eight. I'd done well for myself. I was in my 20s making good money. And uh, like for a 21 year old, like really good money, right? And so fast forward, and as I'm hemorrhaging and losing that, I'm working 30 days a week, and that's not an ex uh, 30 days a week, 30 days a month. That's <laughs> not an exaggeration. I would literally have to work Saturdays and Sundays the whole week long, and I would have less money than I started with. And I'd itch my chin, and I'd say, okay, I didn't take a day off this month. I worked, you know, some days only three, four hours, but I literally worked every day, and I have less money than when I started. Uh, and you know, my, my bills weren't low either, but I was only making about 60% of my overhead. So I was at a deficit every month. And I finally said, enough's enough. Screw this. I'm out. I quit my own company and I moved to Mexico, became a missionary, started an orphanage. And with what little bit of money I had left before I pulled the ripcord, I started obviously taking care of myself and taking care of these kids at this orphanage. Uh, and then I ran out of money and I realized, holy crap. At that point, I think I had 11 kids. I have these 11 kids who are relying on me to support them. And I've got about 60 days of money left until I'm broke, which means they're going to go hungry again. So my first thought was to come to America, find people like you, Bob, who are doing well financially and try to ask you with your altruistic philanthropic self, hey, will you send me two, three, 500 bucks a month every single month so that I can continue to support myself and these kids? And you can stay up there and crush real estate, Bob, and do all the other businesses that you own. And you can feel good about making some of your money matter down here in Mexico. But the fact that I'd already been an entrepreneur, remember, this was 
2005 was when I started my business. Now it's 2010. I'm living in Mexico. So I had those three and a half years of crushing it and one and a half years of getting crushed under my belt. And so the, the, the idea of coming back to America and just asking wealthy people to just give me money out of charity, it didn't feel right. It seemed right. to me way easier to just sell them something. So I decided to create Makes businesses sense. that didn't just make money. They made impact. They made their money matter. And right about that time was when Tom's shoes started blowing up and they were getting all their publicity because Blake Mikowski, the founder of Tom's, had created this one-for-one -one model where for every pair of shoes he sold, he gave a pair away. And I was like, that's the type of companies I want to run. So I moved back to America in 2011 and I started what I call four-purpose businesses where they don't just make money, they make an impact. I got the idea in Mexico, living there, taking care of these orphans, and uh, it started working really well. Like I said, fast forward, I made a lot of money, and I started telling people how I was doing it. Like, hey, guys, when I make all this money, I'm, I'm helping these kids, or I'm helping this nonprofit, or whatever. And enough people were curious and interested in it that I decided, screw it. I'm going to do a one-off, one-time, one-weekend event in 2015. I'm going to ask everybody I admire to come and speak. And we had incredible speakers that first year at Thrive. We had Gary Vaynerchuk. We had Robert Hershevek from Shark Tank, all kinds of people, Lewis Howes, mutual friends of ours. And we had this all-star lineup of speakers, which was incredible. And we threw this three-day event. And my wife and I decided to do it to just teach people how to run their businesses where they don't just make money, they make impact. By Sunday, we had a result that we didn't anticipate. Not only was it a great event and people really enjoyed it, but we had people, mutual friends of ours, Bob, we won't share their name because of uh, you know this being a very public podcast, but I remember, I think you remember this one gentleman sharing this at one of our previous meetups, that he drove out to Vegas that year suicidal, that his wife had just left mm -hmm. him, he was in a really bad spot, and he had decided, enough's enough, I'm done, and for whatever reason, decided one last trip to Vegas before he called it quits. And something about Thrive inspired him and gave him a reason to live again. And, uh, and he decided not to uh, end his life. And fast forward today, he's still a part of our mastermind, right? He's a good friend of ours. And he was one of, I think, 11 different letters we got of people who are either severely depressed or even suicidal, or in his case, had already decided to end their life, but somehow ended up at this event that because of that experience decided to live. Now, those are the extreme cases. We had a lot of other people that said how much it impacted them in a positive way and how it reinvigorated them and inspired them, et cetera. My wife and I were like, holy crap. We thought we were just going to teach somebody how to run a business, and instead we're like totally shifting the the direction of these people's lives. Let's do one more next year, one more one-off event. And by the second one, when that was magnified 10x, one more, right? It's, we're going to so it's always how it starts. Right just one more. Yep. So so we'll just keep doing this, and that's what we did. So that was the origination of Thrive, bro. It was just my life experience of having to run companies that support my orphan, and I still have that orphanage to this day, by the way. Um, but so instead of just running an event to teach people how to help others uh, as a one-off, and that was the end of it. Uh, what Thrive is, is an annual event that really just teaches people how to make money matter, how to run for-purpose businesses, where if they have an existing company that they want to convert to for-purpose, or if they want to start a new company that is for-purpose, uh, that we can teach them the framework and how to do that. And the testimonials and stories now that we get of people who come to the event and say, Cole, I, I applied the for-purpose element, and now all of this change is being made across the world. It's super rewarding. A hundred percent. And I can say as, as someone who attended the very first thrive like that, it, it's also what was awesome is what you brought together was a group of people that just genuinely care. Yep. Um, you know, this is not to knock on anyone else's events, but you go to some events and it's like, you know, sell shit, do this. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's fine. Cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But at the same time, like this is very, it has a very different feel. 
Um, and so, you know, I've been honored to be a part of it and we've implemented a number of, in a number of my businesses, uh, for purpose aspects. Um, and, and I, I love that. So I, I think if, if you're watching or listening, the thing that I, I find the most inspiring and that I want you to take away from this story is simply that, you know, you can have an idea of helping the world, but it doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like you think it looks. Opportunities will come your way to change the world in much larger ways than you maybe even can possibly imagine right now mm -hmm. if you're simply open to receiving and, and letting those into your life. Right, totally, 100%. And uh, yeah, so, so a lot of people think that by taking their business and making it for a purpose, they're gonna like leave money on the table or whatever, but there's so many ways to do it where you can actually show a net positive result to your bottom line because of the economic structure of how you can set yourself up to be not just making money, but giving back simultaneously. And so my goal, Bob, as you already know, but I'll just share it with your listeners is to be one of the, one of the catalysts in the world that inspire businesses to convert to for purpose so that fast forward a decade or two, it's just the way the business is done. And that consumers will no longer tolerate doing business with um, business owners that only make money for their own good. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, capitalism is great. At the same time, I want consumers to say, let me get this straight. You, Beats by Dre, you sell headphones and you make money and your shareholders are happy and that's the end of it. Or I can go to Listen, and I'm using her because I know you know Bridget. I can go to Listen LSTN headphones where the quality is comparable, the look, style, all that's comparable. But now when I buy a pair of Listen headphones, uh, Bridget, the founder, contributes enough to the Starkey Hearing Foundation that a child who is deaf can now get the, um, what are they called, the hearing aids that they need to now hear. So do I want to buy a, a Beats by Dre where shareholders are happy, or do I want to buy Listen headphones where a child somewhere can now hear for the first time in their life? Well, obviously, I'm going to go get the Listen headphones. I mean, if the quality was crap, that'd be one thing, but they're as right. good or even better. And so what I want is there to be enough for-purpose players in the business arena that us, the consumers, have a for-purpose option in basically any product or service on the planet. Like even car dealerships, for every car we sell, we give 20 meals to an orphanage, whatever it is. Like literally that there is an option for a for-purpose business in anything you need in life so that then all of the consumers migrate to doing business with those operators and the other people that are just stingy capitalists that want to keep all the money for themselves, they're either forced to convert or they go out of business because they're losing so much market share from consumers going to their competitors because their competitors are giving back. So I have this romantic vision of it no longer being called a for-purpose organization. It's just the way that business is done because consumers now expect business owners to be charitable or they just won't do business with them anymore. And so that's the vision. Thrive is one small part of how I'm manifesting that vision. Uh, but for any of you who have are listening to this and haven't had a chance to come to Thrive, I mean, think about what we've talked about on this podcast and think about like at the end of the day, making money and being successful is important, but no one cares how many square feet are in your house. No one cares how many cars you have. No one cares about how many zeros and commas are in your bank account. The only thing people will ever care about is the meaningful impact you made in their and others' lives with the time and resources you had available. I, I, I'm always clear to say this, your net worth has nothing to do with your human worth. The more money you have does not make you a better person. However, the more money you have gives you more options. That's all money does is it gives you options. You can be, you can use it to, and the options to be a dick about it and just, you know, <laughs> spend frivolously and, and blow it all, or you can use your money to impact. And so again, money does not make you a better person. It just gives you better options. You can say yes to more things. And I encourage you to say yes to being more generous 
Uh, and ultimately, I, I think you'll be more fulfilled too. They say money doesn't buy happy or you can't buy happiness with money. Uh, I disagree. I'd say that you absolutely can. Uh, and if you haven't figured out how, try being generous. Try try using your money to impact others. And you will start to see pretty quickly that uh, it is one of the most rewarding feelings ever. And so so that's me, dude. And that's that's what we're working on. That's what Thrive is. No, and, and I, I want to reiterate too, the, the, the try being generous. There was at the, I think it was the, the first round of connect that I was in, we had some monthly challenges. And one of them was to just go buy a meal for somebody or, you know, pay for someone that's behind you in line. And it was a fascinating, I remember vividly, I was at a taco shop, like the favorite, my favorite taco shop, just down the street from where I was living in West Hollywood. And I just gave the guy 20 bucks and there was no one in line behind me. And I'm sitting there eating. And I said, don't tell them, don't like, if anybody asks, you know, don't tell them it was me. They don't need to know me. It doesn't matter. You, should, you know, you can do that. And it, it just, you know, I guess fate aligned it that um, a dad walked in with his three kids um, and my 20 bucks paid for a good chunk of their meal. And just watching his face just be completely shocked. Yeah. His kids, you know, and like he already knew he was coming there to spend the money. So he ended up actually getting his kids um, some horchatas and a bunch of other things that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And watching their faces light up that they got to get something extra that they weren't planning on getting. So when you say, you know, people say money can't buy happiness, you're 100% right. Like that's just, a, that's a small, and it was 20 bucks. Literally, it's not like some life changing yeah, amount of totally. money. It's it's twenty bucks, you know, and and to watch that happen. So I, I, I hundred percent agree. Yep. Uh, so uh, I know you have a, a thrive coming up here uh, potentially soon. So talk a little bit about that. So if people want to know more about this and they haven't sure. been, to thrive, they can. Yeah. So one of our earlier conversations on this podcast was kind of not so much coronavirus, but what how we're pivoting, and so. Uh, Thrive is 2,000 people that get together in person, some of the most amazing humans ever. And in the current climate, that's impossible. There isn't a place where I can put 2,000 people together in a room. Even with social distancing, I would have to rent a stadium to scatter 2,000 people around it. So uh, for now, Thrive has moved to virtual. Uh, we just completed our very first virtual Thrive back in October. It was a fantastic success. Um, although I'll always love in-person events more because I like meeting people face-to-face, -face, shaking hands, having conversations, getting to meet people, uh, the ability of still being able to spread the message of for-purpose business um, over the interwebs was actually pretty cool. As you know, Bob, because you were there, we had people from Nigeria at five or six out of the seven continents. Uh, other than Antarctica, Crazy. we didn't have any freaking, um, uh, what are those things, penguins tuning in, but we had people tuning in from parts of Asia. Uh, as you know, we had people from all over Europe, like all over Europe. Uh, we had people from uh, Australia joining us, South America, Mexico, Canada, all over the all over the world. And so that was actually uh, an unexpected perk. Last year was our largest thrive, and we had 15 different countries there. So when I looked at where people were coming from based on when they purchased their ticket, their address they gave us, 15 different countries represented. This last thrive, dude, we were global. So that's cool. Awesome. That being said, uh, we were tentatively planning on doing our next virtual Thrive in January. However, for some, some uncertainty being out there right now, that might be moved to February. So for anybody who would be interested in checking out Thrive and hearing from an incredible lineup of people, it's no pitch fest at all, as you've already said, and, and hear more about how to, not just what a for-purpose business is, but how to actually do one, uh, you can just head to attendthrive.com. And when we solidify our dates for our next virtual one uh, we will announce that via the website and then ultimately uh, we will be doing our live in-person event as soon as we legally can uh, because um, you know our, our last virtual or our last in-person thrive was scheduled for may 1st 2nd and 3rd and 
as we all know, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd was the depths of like the lockdown in the most stringent quarantined <laughs> fashion. And I remember because so, it was my birthday. I was so excited. I was like, yes, Thrive, Vegas, yep. birthday, yep. and then Corona. Yeah. So for now, uh, physically cannot do it in person. So we'll just we'll just hang on and wait for whoever to give us permission. Um, so so keep your eyes on that website for our next virtual dates to be announced. And, and if you're on the fence, whatever, go check it out. Send me a message if you want to. I, I will attest to it as having been to literally every single one of them, uh, literally. Um, yeah, dude. Worth- <laughs> you're, you're, one of the, you're one of the OGs. There's a, there's a few dozen of you out there that have never missed a Thrive ever. And uh, also, you've been in the mastermind all five years, too. So it's, it's cool. Just, it's, it, it, it feeds my soul. So why, why not? Good. Um, but yeah, so I, I, sorry, I was just reminiscing about and it's been now long um <laughs> uh so anyways uh, cole thank you for being on truly appreciate it we're kind of yeah. at our, our time mark for what i'd like to, to get out of this and i i think there's a lot of great uh value here for everyone else uh looking at your absolute truths just dive in and making sure that you're happy in what you're doing so uh thank you so much for your time cole where can people follow you if they want to check you out personally yeah, the only thing I pay attention to is Instagram. That's just at Cole Hatter, one word. All social media, like all of them, from what's the new one? Parlor to TikTok to whatever my wife set me up. Snapchat, all of them. It's just at Cole Hatter. Facebook, the only one I care about is Instagram. So you can find me there. Um, and uh, yeah, shoot me a DM. Let me know if you had any questions on what we just discussed or whatever. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys in person at a Thrive as soon as we can. But for now, uh, waving at me in one of the little virtual squares. <laughs> um on the next one perfect perfect for all of you on watching listening thank you for being here as always please make sure you subscribe rate and review this show we can't help more people and make a bigger impact unless you do that so every time you do it's a small tax you pay for listening hopefully you got a lot of value out of this i know i always do every time i listen to cole so nicole thank you again for being here truly appreciate it absolutely man we'll see y'all guys all on another episode real soon check in next week Uh, every week on Thursday for new episodes. So we'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number 3, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.